0: Hi, I'm investigative journalist Molly Barrows. I've been covering crime in Florida's panhandle for years, and welcome to my series, Gulf Coast Confidential. From murders to mysteries, I explore some of the saltier stories that surface in northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. This next story is especially heartbreaking, and I want to warn you there are graphic details involving child murder and assault. There's something about crimes involving children that moves people to tears and to action. Perhaps it's because as adults we recognize how naive and defenseless they are, whether manipulated or manhandled, the same qualities of openness and innocence that endear little ones to families and friends also can make them easy prey for a variety of abusers, from domestic violence to sexual predators. Even if kids realize they're in danger, they are often physically too small to escape or defend themselves. When 12-year-old Naomi Jones suspiciously disappeared from her Pensacola apartment complex, people turned out in droves to find the missing fifth grader eager to bring her safely home. The discovery of her lifeless body, though, left many feeling as helpless as a child. Because no matter how old you are, when faced with evil, we can all feel powerless. I'm investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. The last time Shantara Hurry saw her daughter was May 31st, 2017, when the busy mother left for work. She held down two jobs to support her family, which included 12-year-old Naomi Jones and her two younger brothers, 10-year-old Emmanuel Hurry and 4-year-old Jaden Brooks. Summer break had just started and the kids were out of school. Normally, the children's grandmother watched them. She was planning to come over that afternoon, but later told police she had decided not to because she, quote, didn't want to get out in the rain. So Naomi and her brothers were home alone at their apartment in a complex called Aspen Creek, a small, well-kept complex in a wooded residential part of northeast Pensacola, Florida. The complex catered to folks on a smaller budget. Two identical wood-sided buildings sit side by side, each two stories, with four units on either side of the buildings, two upstairs and two downstairs. Wooden railed balconies and staircases leading to the upstairs apartments give the complex a kind of homey and open feel. It's the kind of place where neighbors and visitors often run into each other. Hurry knew she could count on her daughter. Naomi was an obedient girl who was responsible and followed the rules. She left the middle schooler in charge of her two younger brothers and told them not to leave the apartment, to stay together if they had to walk the dog, and not to have any friends over. The usual requests, and usually there was no problem. The children's grandmother called late that morning to check on them. Tarai Jones told police nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Naomi never mentioned going anywhere or seemed like anything was wrong. It was all very normal, even her grandsons yelling in the background and Naomi hollering back at one of them to keep him in line, all while she was on the phone with her grandmother. Shantara Hurry also texted her daughter around lunchtime to see how things were going, and Naomi replied, "'Good.'" Everything seemed fine, but that text was the last communication they would have. Not quite two hours later, Emmanuel called their mom to tell her their sister was gone. She had walked out the front door and did not return. The family already knew something was very wrong. Shantara left work and hurried home. Naomi wasn't there, but her purse and her cell phone were, causing the frantic mom to worry even more, because as she later told police, quote, she does not go anywhere without them, end quote. She also told them her daughter wouldn't walk far from the apartment complex and would never leave her youngest brother, Jaden, because, quote, that was her baby, end quote. Shantara Hurry knocked on doors, frantically looking for her daughter, but she was nowhere to be found. She tried her friends, and no one had seen her talk to her. When an Escambia sheriff's deputy got there to take a missing persons report, Hurry told him her daughter had never left like this before, had never run away before. But just in case, she told him every place she could think of where her daughter might be, including Dreamland Skate Center, because the little girl had plans to skate there later with her friends. But she wasn't there, she wasn't with friends, and she wasn't with family. A long night passed with no answers, the first of many, The next day, June 1st, 2017, the search began in earnest. Soon, local, state, and federal police were canvassing the neighborhood, searching for answers. No one had seen her, not even 38-year-old Robert LaTroy Howard, an Alabama man who lived part-time with his girlfriend in the same apartment complex. But there was something about Howard that stood out to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement agent who talked to him. The officer made a note that Howard was inconsistent about where he was that day. One of many leads authorities started to track down. They looked into boys Naomi Jones liked and had talked to online. They talked to a girl who had gone with a boy Naomi liked in case there was bad blood between them. But nobody knew anything about her disappearance. As they searched for the Ferry Pass middle schooler, investigators followed up on some suspicious items that had turned up near her apartment complex. They collected several shirts and a bloody napkin from a nearby dumpster. They also documented a pink camisole, a pair of panties, and a busted cell phone found at an area homeless camp in the woods. Only none of these items matched the clothes Naomi Jones was last wearing. She was last seen in a red camisole tank top, a pair of American flag denim shorts, a white choker necklace, and orange and gray Nike slides. Police talked to numerous witnesses, collected DNA from a number of them, but still, there was no sign, no clue to where the missing 12-year-old had gone. As word spread, the community galvanized support for massive searches of the area, with hundreds of friends, parents, classmates, and other volunteers all taking part. The effort was so big, the sheriff's office set up a command center at nearby Olive Baptist Church to help coordinate. It was from there, five days after Naomi Jones disappeared, that the sheriff announced the search was over. Two men looking for a place to fish found the little girl's body in Eight Mile Creek, a creek bed about four or five miles from Naomi's home. At first, they thought they had come across a deer, until they got a closer look and realized the body was that of a child, and they called police. Quote, That's her, isn't it? End quote, one of the men asked when deputies arrived. Everyone in town had been talking about the little girl's disappearance, but this was not the outcome her family and supporters had been praying for. Naomi was lying face down in the creek, only half-dressed. She still had on the red camisole and a bra, but her shorts were gone. Due to the condition of her body, deputies reported it was obvious she had been there for several days, exposed to the elements. However, the little girl who loved Hello Kitty and making glitter slime still had pink nail polish on her fingers and toes. Investigators also noted obvious injuries to the child's body, including injuries to her genitals, her neck, her throat, and ear, injuries that made them suspect foul play. An autopsy later confirmed what they suspected, that she had indeed been murdered and had died by asphyxiation. Naomi Jones' missing persons case was now a murder investigation. The Escambia Sheriff's Office, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and the FBI all took part in the search for answers. As they talked to people who lived in and around the complex, investigators soon developed a person of interest, the same someone who had been quote-unquote inconsistent about where he was at the time the little girl disappeared, her part-time neighbor and convicted sex offender, Robert LaTroy Howard. Howard initially told police he wasn't in Pensacola when the girl went missing, that he was in his hometown of Bruton, Alabama. Police, though, knew there was more to his story. They found surveillance video of Howard's silver Nissan Altima driving around the bridge where Naomi's body was found, and they had evidence that his cell phone had also been there early the next morning after she disappeared. They dug into Howard's past, too, and found he had a criminal record. He had been convicted in 1999 on two counts of first-degree rape of two adult women and spent 15 years in prison. One of the victims was just 19 years old. When asked why he didn't register as a sex offender in Florida, where he was staying with his girlfriend half the time, Howard told police he didn't think he needed to because Alabama was where he lived and worked. Howard continued to deny that he had even been in the area and insisted he had nothing to do with the girl's disappearance. But as he talked, his story kept changing. And it wasn't long before police say the then 38-year-old man confessed to killing the child in what he called a quote-unquote violent act. Police recorded his nearly three-hour-long statement in which he claimed Naomi Jones had come to his apartment and insisted on coming in. He said the little girl had quote-unquote come on to him before he became angry and killed her. An autopsy showed Naomi, who stood just over five feet tall and weighed 97 pounds, had been strangled. Investigators also found duct tape in the fifth grader's hair and gum in her mouth, candy she had been chewing when Howard attacked her. Based on his account, investigators searched his apartment looking for DNA or other evidence. They searched next to the front door, where he may have pinned her against the wall at one point, They also searched the bathroom, and a corner of the tub tested positive for blood. Howard told police he put Naomi's body in the backseat of his car and drove all over the place before he decided what to do. He even drove all the way back home to Bruton, an Alabama town about an hour away, just over the Florida-Alabama state line, and spent the day there with her body in his car. He eventually returned to Pensacola and early the next morning stopped at the bridge at Detroit Boulevard and Ashland Avenue, While Naomi's family was desperately wondering where she was that night, Howard threw her lifeless body over the railing and into the creek below. He was charged with first-degree premeditated murder and kidnapping, with state prosecutors saying they intended to pursue the death penalty. However, the trial was pushed back four years, in part due to delays caused by COVID-19. Howard was finally tried for the girl's murder in August of 2021, When he was arrested, then-state attorney Bill Edens insisted his office would seek the death penalty. However, when the trial was still pending, the death penalty was taken off the table. Edens said new evidence and information made it no longer quote-unquote appropriate to pursue a death sentence should he be convicted, a decision he said Naomi's mother agreed with. The trial finally gave the public a chance to see what evidence the state had against Howard, and the details were every loving parent's nightmare. Howard claimed 12-year-old Naomi Jones insisted on coming into his apartment, despite his protests, and he got so mad he killed her. During his taped confession to investigators, Howard insisted he did not sexually assault her, but admitted he attacked her, saying he, quote, didn't mean to hurt the child, but I choked her out. I thought she just blacked out, but I choked her pretty damn good to the point where she wasn't breathing, end quote. The prosecution pushed back on Howard's claim that he choked the child out of anger that she wouldn't leave him alone. They said he was lying to hide the fact that he had kidnapped the friendly outgoing girl after she had complimented his shoes outside his apartment. They told the jury he had taken Naomi with the intent of sexually assaulting her and killed her in the process while she still had gum in her mouth. Jurors took just 90 minutes to find Howard guilty of first-degree murder. Naomi's mother, Shantara, and her 14 year old brother, Emmanuel, were given a chance to address Howard in court. The trial was covered extensively by local media, including the Pensacola News Journal, who quoted the family below. What I lost is indescribable, Shantara Hurry told Howard. I lost a daughter, a sister, a granddaughter, a great granddaughter. I am thankful for justice being served on my daughter's behalf today, and I will never forgive him for what he did to my child. And I hope he lives with it every day of his life. Christmas and birthdays for the past four years, nothing has been the same. My family has been torn apart, and I've been trying to keep it together all these years. The missing piece to the puzzle is gone, end quote. Emmanuel Hurry told Howard, quote, If you're a real man, why would you do that to a 12-year-old? You ain't nobody, and you don't scare me. You hear me? Robert Howard, now 44, was sentenced to life in prison. He is serving his time at Santa Rosa Annex Prison in Milton. He's still pursuing a new trial, but so far, his motions and appeals have been denied. The tragic murder of Naomi Jones continues to make headlines. The horrifying story has been the focus of a number of television news magazine shows and other coverage. Her mother has also been featured for her efforts to celebrate her daughter's life and focus on her caring and generous spirit instead of how she died. Shantara Hurry sued the company that managed the apartment complex where they lived for negligent security. According to the Haggard Law Firm's website, which handled the lawsuit, the company failed to monitor the property for people living there, quote-unquote, off-lease, And that, quote, the case was fought predominantly on issues of notice, whether the defendants should have known that they had a violent sex offender living in this family community, end quote. The case was settled for $2 million. Naomi's mother continues to remember and celebrate the life of her child. In April of 2022, she posted a message on social media to Naomi on what would have been her 17th birthday, saying, quote, "'Happy heavenly birthday, sweetheart. You are 17 years old today.'" I'm constantly wondering if you would have been taller than me, wondering what hairstyles you would have liked, the type of clothes you'd like to wear, what TikTok dances you'd be into. Today, we will celebrate you, your life. It's your day, Naomi. End quote. Her family finds encouragement and power in their faith, knowing that while Robert Howard may have taken Naomi's life, he can't take away their love for her and their belief that one day their family will be together again. Well, that's all for this episode of Gulf Coast Confidential. Thank you for joining me for Powerless. You can find this and other stories in my series on my Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel and wherever you get your favorite podcast. See you next time.